What's happening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reef Bomb. I'm your host, Keith Berkelhammer. So this is uh, this could be a wild ride tonight, you know. I think um, it's always interesting having both uh, Ben Johnson and Rich Ross from Reef Beef on. What's going on there, fellas? Peace. Ben. Lots, lots of stuff. Always lots of stuff. Lots of it stuff. It never ends, right? Reef tanks are never ending. Ben, it's uh, loving that uh, that hat, man. What do you got? You making some pizza later? It's it's my homage to Prince. Ah, ah. I think it's raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> and it's more of a snood than a beret, though. Oh, yeah, maybe you're a, like a, rena a Renaissance fair. Prince. And I, and I like the background. It's just kind of faded out, so it's just making you very much like an artist there. You know, I think. Um, yep. That's what I am. All right, but uh, before we get into this uh, silliness and some serious talk as well, um, let's uh, let's kind of get on with some formalities. Uh, Rich Ross has worked in the aquarium industry and trade for many many years. He was a Masna Aquarius of the Year. Has spoken at many industry conferences, including Macna. Written articles about the hobby and has done some groundbreaking research. Although he is um, not there at the moment, he has a coral lab at his home, which is really cool. Really cool. Yeah, you you should have that guy on. He sounds great. <laughs> Maybe next week. Uh, ben Johnson is an aquarium maintenance expert who has many types of clients. The name of his company is Captive Aquatic Ecosystems, and it's based in Houston, Texas. Ben has also spoken at Macna, Aquashella, and more recently at Reefstock. Currently, as I mentioned, these guys host a very popular podcast called Reef Beef. And I'm sure there's a bunch of beefers out there. I see all these beef uh, meat icons in the chat there. So, uh, geez, we got a whole bunch of people coming into this stream. But before we uh, dive into this uh, enriching uh, conversation here, I want to thank both the uh, sponsors, Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. I really appreciate these companies supporting the show. And I appreciate all you folks out there that have tuned in. Please spread the word hit the uh, hit the like button we've got almost 80 people watching right now and only 23 likes we need to kind of even that out a little bit here don't drop off but let's uh, let's hit that like button and get the uh, get the likes up and uh, there's a lot of chat going on already i can see so it's going to be a challenge to keep uh, keep track of all that stuff but um please drop your comments and questions in the chat below we um we sort of have an agenda right guys in terms of some some uh items to discuss but i think we'll also certainly pivot depending on um how the conversation goes so hey it's good to see you both i mean last time i i saw you guys was what beginning of this month in um restock in denver right yeah yes. sorry i'm having a that technical was... problem <laughs> you want to you Rich i had to flip always, i'm good now i'm good <laughs> doing with his stuff <laughs> he's always tinkering no that was, that was good times to talk to you while while not a thousand people are watching us while we talk <laughs> yeah right it's it's uh, it's always good to kind of have those one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations but there's nothing like being in person you know it's just kind of uh being able to um connect right and and yeah for the audience keith is a lot taller than a small horse <laughs> You know, I get that a lot. When people come up to me, they're like, you know, you're a lot taller than I thought. And it's because I'm kind of slumping in my chair here or something. Is that, uh, is that what's going on? Yeah. You never stand. Oh, no. 
Yeah, it, you've got a slight upper angle from your camera. It's going down. Oh, but you yeah, also, you're right. I don't know. And, and you just look like a tall guy. You just do. I don't look like a tall guy. I look like it, a midget. His cheeks, his <laughs> cheeks. You can just tell by looking at his cheeks. Yeah. He's a guy. And I know we're not supposed to say midget unless you're a midget. And midgets like that, but that's fine. <laughs> Richard! Sorry, a little... I will call my friend Arturo, and I will apologize for saying midget. Good so job. Becca Bitt says um, there are back-to-back talks, and they're, we're talking about Rich and Ben, were the mm. best of reef stock, definitely worth sticking around for and taking the late flight home. I, of course, took the early flight home, and I missed uh, your, both your uh, talks. Mm. Mm. Thanks, Keith. <laughs> when are you talking next? <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter. I'm talking now. <laughs> I, I thought Reefstock was really, really fun um, this year, and, um, and I hope it continues. There was definitely a vibe there of let's all go to support Windsor and to, um, you know, throw some respect to Jake, Jake's legacy. And um, the new owners of Reefbuilders, like, added a bunch of speakers at the end and brought in a bunch of people. It was, um, so it was really great. And uh, I thought that it was it was a conference that I enjoy. I always love a conference when the talks are meaty, when there there there's something going on, something to listen to, some information being shared. Um, and so I, I thought there was a lot of talks like that um, this year. I was very. I, I came in. I was only going to come in Sunday, and then I came in Friday because I thought I want to relax and hang out with people and see all the talks. And I'm glad I did. I mean, Julian's talk. On the uh, on his pond was just just wonderful, you know, just great, just great to watch Julian put up a picture of a, a root, some sand, and an urchin, and go, "This is what I like," and so I built this. <laughs> so great, yeah. Coming from a selfish angle, I was super stoked to see Jake's studio, yeah, and and. I realize how much more pressing that was because I saw today on social media that it's on its way coming down. Oh, really? Yeah. They're taking it down? Yep. Oh, yep. wow. Yeah, well, right. I mean, we were all there at the studio checking it out. And uh, yeah, I, I, I too was very happy to be able to, uh, to see the uh, studio in person. It was just so impressive in terms of all those tanks. And um, man, that's a bummer that it's... Uh, being taken down, but it was it was great to just kind of see, you know, Jake's uh, work there, and uh, you know, Evan in terms of putting putting that studio together. Those guys did did a lot of hard work, and um, I I really enjoyed that part of the uh, you know the experience. My weekend in in in, uh, in Denver, but um, yeah. So I mean, what what uh, what stood out to you guys in terms of the studio, Richard? What stood out to me? Uh, was how Jake it was. Um, you know, the, the different systems were set up. They, they absolutely smelled like, like his setups. Um, bare bottom. And uh, bare bottom and, and just the way the corals were placed. I mean, you, you walking in, if you didn't know it, but you knew his work, you would know that Jake set those up. Um, I thought the whole vibe of the place was really great. Um, and I, I I hope we I hope we get something like that again. Uh, you know, a space made to do reefing stuff, to share reefing stuff is it's a that's a really crazy concept. Um, uh, what stood out for me the most 
first was the small tank with the um, the uh, commensal with the parietes with the commensal worms and crabs. Oh yeah, because I just love that. And then there was that one piece of tuba for musica. Uh, that I was losing my mind over. Is that, is that the, the white, white pollen? Is that the Christmas tree rock you're talking about? Uh, the first thing I was yeah, talking about was right. the Christmas tree rock. Right. The second thing was the pipe organ coral. What about you, Ben? It was, it, I was one of the first three. I jumped in a car with Evan and some other dude. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. But <laughs> And we were the first three people over there. That would be me, dude. And it was there just, yeah, were you there? I was, no, yeah, they, I was in the car. <laughs> It was not you. You were there either right before me or right after, but it's like seemed like we were the first. It took us like an people. hour in that car, dude. Yes. <laughs> on the way back. No, on the way there. Yeah. Well then ben. Oh man. I might be thinking of a of a different place that we went. Were you drinking before? No, were you drinking he, before we went out to the studio or uh That was like four o'clock in the afternoon. As well, remember it's tall. <laughs> No, but it was it was difficult. I mean, of course, you know, he had some he had plenty of corals that I'd seen before, but it was difficult looking at stuff that, you know, I was definitely saw some weird stuff. And it's like, man, is this stuff for sale? You know, but at the same time, it's like I knew better than to ask because, you know, for multiple reasons, not just financial, but it's just like, holy crap, where can I get that? You know? Well, yeah, I think they had they had sold a whole bunch of uh, stuff to Andrew Sandler. Um, before that, uh, that weekend, Andrew, Andrew, uh, you know, I know Chris Meckley, what was out there and packing up a whole bunch of corals to, to ship it out to, uh, to Andrew. So I think a lot of the stuff that was in the, uh, coral flats went to, uh, to Andrew. That's why the coral flats were looking a little sparse at the time. There was a, there was yeah. a really fine, and you might remember this, there was a really fine red coral, might've been a type of Montipora. But I mean, it just looked like if you just touched it, it would fly. You're talking all about the uh, ACI Manila Spy, the Manila, Manila Spy. That's the coral that Jay collected. It's a branching uh, Montipora, and it's a super, super bright red. Yes, and it's extremely delicate. I, I got a piece of that from uh, Chris Meckley, and it grows like a freaking weed. But it's it's really? great to have a, a one of Jake's legacy corals. I mean, there it was it was cool to see a couple of those legacy corals there. The um, the Immortal Tort was one. And um, yeah. I think the um, crystal experiment was a was another one. It's a it's a very interesting plating green plating um, Montipora with branches that shoot up in it. Uh, so it was uh, it's just very unique to see all of the uh, you know because Jake had had some different um, I guess um, favorites versus maybe some of your typical uh, reef keepers who who get attracted to certain things. But I think Jake was attracted to the very unique and um different types of pieces so it was really cool to kind of see that still yeah it was nice that some of that was still there for us to see that weekend um so that was very cool yep so uh guys man how's the uh how's the reef beef podcast going you guys still having fun with it i see yeah yeah, yeah. how long is this thing gonna go on for <laughs> We're going to have to see, right, uh, um, it, I, as long as it'll go. The, I think the hard part is figuring out what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what we want to do. Because um, it's so easy to get pulled. I was thinking a lot about this the last couple of weeks. It's, it's very easy to get pulled in a lot of directions. 
and and uh, I think we'll have a business meeting in the next couple of weeks where we kind of go, what what do we want to be doing and what do we not want to be doing and how do we maximize that? Um, but I think it's great. I I, I am shocked um, with joy uh, at 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 how the podcast has been doing um, and how the the uh, what is that called a discord the discord community has been doing because we 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 wanted to do it differently right we wanted it we didn't want to do unboxings we didn't want to yeah. do all of those things and, and i say that with like some horrible negative tone in my voice and i don't mean it like that um it's just there's a lot of people already doing that doing a better job than we're ever going to do yeah. um so there's no reason to do that for us so we were trying to figure out a di- different that we knew we wouldn't be appealing to everybody, but we might appeal to enough people to make it worthwhile. And, and it seems like it's working. Um, so as we we want to make sure we're enjoying it, so we keep doing it. Uh, I, I mean, I can't. I'm not. I'm not Ben's frontal lobe, so I can't speak for. Let ben. me uh, before Ben speaks. Well, before Ben, well, maybe you are, but. Um, before I uh, let Ben uh, respond to that, uh, casual reef keeping, thank you very much for the super chat. The comment is beef bum. <laughs> beef bum. Beef bum. Super um, the, we, we have a tiered membership that we do. And uh, um, uh, I, so quarterly, th- there's a level that we call like gold level beefers. And so quarterly, we, we give them you know, if you if you join the membership at that level, you get a quarterly call from us, either me or Rich or me and Rich, you know, call you and talk to you for an hour, usually on FaceTime. But anyway, so I've been knocking a few of them out. And I spoke to one of our fans today in Belgium, and it was so <laughs> cool. I apologized to him, even though he was like, no, 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 because it was like me asking him a lot of questions about reefing in Europe. And, you know, I don't know how much you want me to go into it, but man, it sounds, it sounds jacked up. There's some, there's, go ahead. No, it's just, there's, he was talking about how their stores are going out of business Ooh. because they'll, they have something because they're, you know, obviously with Russia invading Ukraine, the energy has gone nuts. And so they have something where you can lock in a rate and pay for like a year all at once. But there was some store that got a bill for $15,000 and it was like one of the last stores in Belgium and it closed down. Mm-hmm. And so he has to get stuff from Germany or sometimes Holland. And he was just talking about the price of energy and everything. Um, so we're kind of hopping around a little bit here and I want to get back to oh, shit. What, what's going on. You spring a leak? No. <laughs> So, so I'm getting some, I had, I had some RTN. Oh, dude, week. you're jumping way like, ahead. <laughs> okay. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, uh, and I had a big colony of granulosa just go overnight and a couple other things lose a little bit of tissue and it's been looking okay. And I talked to you last night or this morning, Keith, about your recent travails. And, um, I talked to Meckley today and I ordered some stuff. Um, the, and I the link had I sent you. them ship it. Yeah, I had them ship, ship it to get here next Thursday, and I just saw another coral going. So I'm really that's now I'm sad I didn't have it FedEx because now maybe I need it sooner than later. 
and and that's going to be uh yeah that's that's going to be kind of like the meat of the first discussion i want to have with you guys in terms of actual um reef keeping stuff but um yeah that's how it happens man you know it's like you're you're afraid to look at the tank right because it's like yeah you, you keep looking at it and you look close enough and you're like oh no it's happening to that coral or that coral's looking stressed out yeah it's like this domino effect and it's just uh it can be very depressing um it's a I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to text right now the people I got it from and see if they'll send me another one tomorrow at speed. Look <laughs> <laughs> like I got Richard texting on your show. He's, this is hey, live Kate, right I'm, now. He's texting. I'm going to go eat a plate of spaghetti. I'm just going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, just a comment about uh, you guys in terms of reef beef. John, John Wright, <clears throat> uh, Reef Bum, they give us a different perspective to reef keeping, and, and I love it. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that's what it's all about. I mean, Rich and you were saying about um, you know how you guys are just not the the type to do kind of like product reviews and and that sort of thing. And there's plenty of other channels out there that do that sort of thing. Yeah, I I too have kind of like morphed into um, you know a different type of theme in terms of my videos and 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 just try to be more about you know this is my reef keeping journey and uh, just try to be authentic and stuff. You know, I used to go to um, you know these uh, these conferences and try to shoot a video and walk around and talk about new products and stuff but you know a lot of people are doing that it's like you know what nobody wants to see another video like that and and well jake was probably like the best at at doing that sort of thing but there's still plenty of um you know channels out there that that do that sort of thing so i think it's really important to be able to adapt and and to um you know see where you have a certain niche and, and you guys certainly do. And I think you keep it very real and um, people, you know, have um, climbed onto that. That's very, very nice. <laughs> I, I, so I, I, Richard's, Richard's, you guys are speechless. I can't believe you're speechless. So Richard's going to tell me that I have to get over it, but, like I'm uncomfortable if I'm in front of people with a camera on me, because it it just feels weird. But I don't mind sitting here talking to a camera. Right, because it's just the mm. three of us that are talking, and just just a bunch of um, you know thing things going on in the uh, the chat window where with our other people are watching and commenting. So it's not like we've got, but I guess we do have right now 118 pairs of eyes on us. So yeah, what? it's not like there's 118 people watching right now. <laughs> Um, so I asked Mark Vanderwall this question last week and, um, you know, I was curious with, with, with him and Jake and, and their reef therapy podcast, you know, I was like, I know Jake never has a problem, you know, talking about reef keeping. And I know you guys are, are the same way, but I was like, did you ever like wonder whether or not it was, um, you know, going to be tough to keep things fresh to come up with different topics? I mean, is, is that what you guys are kind of, um, you know, going to be talking about? in the near future about the show how to keep it fresh i mean i just got a a gopro and so i'm gonna start and it with a head attachment and i'm gonna start like showing how i clean a skimmer showing how i wet skim this is how i clean a tank i mean i got i don't want to sound weird about it but i i can make content for years so i that's this is part of the conversation we always have we have to get to so are we doing are we going to use that content for additional content or is that going to be content we're going to use on the show? Uh, and, and that's how I think we, 
we get to expand. We feel like we're pushing. And then it's like, oh, God, I'm so tired. Why am I so tired? I've been doing all this stuff, you know, to make content. Um, so I think I think it's both. You know, there's all kinds of content to be had, but there's also all kinds of content already out there. So I don't, you know, I'm always worried we're talking about boring stuff that our audience isn't going to want to, doesn't care about. There, there's infinite audience out there of new reefers, but since we're not doing, I mean, it's not not for new reefers, but we're, we're not doing, you know, this is how you put water in a tank kind of stuff, um, which... Uh, now we totally should, because I thought of five <laughs> tips for putting water in a tank. Um, so I, I'm always worried that I'm going to have nothing interesting to say. Right. I mean, when I started this uh, show, and it's been almost three years, I think it's going to be three years um, next month. I had no freaking idea it'd be going on this long, to be quite honest with you. You know, I just uh, yeah. figured like, all right, let's kind of see how it goes and if people watch me, that would be uh, that would be super awesome. But I had, I had no expectations, no no um, idea. I'd be uh, you know I'd, I'd still be uh, doing shows at this point in time. But I guess for me, it's 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 a little easier because I, I bring in guests every uh, every show, and so it's um, it, it could freshen it up that way. But you know, again, sometimes you uh, you do hit on the same topics, but it it is also good to get different perspectives from different people. Because there are so many different perspectives. A, a friend of mine who, who's a um, uh, YouTube personality person um, got the question recently, you know, how do you feel about when you get the same questions from people? Uh, he does a lot of, of, of Q&A stuff. Um, and he said, uh, and it was a great answer. He's like, well, you know, yeah, I covered this a year ago. But those people might not be watching anymore. Right. And I know the people who just asked the question aren't watching. And I'm going to say it in a different way than I did last time anyway. <laughs> so it's always good. There's never really a worry about repeating. And you know, maybe according you changed your mind in some way, too, since last time you said it. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. A couple of comments. Uh, Zach, RHC, oh, oh. and Nut1. Is Richard trying to be 3D? Um Guess they're commenting on that little uh, angle you're uh, sitting at there with the tank. I think it's pretty cool. Um, ACI Aquaculture, Chris Meckley, good content. Every show, triple exclamation point. Um, I don't understand that comment, Zach. Arm hair? Who's who's uh, sporting arm hair? There we go. Oh, I think that's because I – is that from I, – I had super glue all down oh, my arm. Oh, that was you. Nope. I thought it was Ben. It was me. It was me. There's there's a nice bald spot here. That must have hurt. It it wasn't that bad. Uh, I put some alcohol on it and came off. But I, I like playing it up like super glue is like hook with super glue is the worst thing that could ever happen because it's just not. Um, but I, I like uh, I like perpetuating that idea. Bert Minshew. When you posted that, there was so many people that put like sad, like crying faces. And I was like, it's OK. Well, a bunch of super glue in your arm hair. There's nothing worse, right? That's what I said. I said, you know, MS, cancer, whatever. Get over it, you babies. Super glue in your arm hair is the worst thing that could ever happen. The comments keep rolling in. Uh, arm hair is high in protein. Um, 
Uh, it's what corals crave. Um, Peruvian arm hair. Fabio Yogi, greetings from Brazil. Love you fucking guys. Keep on rocking, beefers. Hey, Fabio. Hey, he cussed. We win. I, I, think I, just, I think I just opened the floodgates. Yeah. <laughs> Once you drop an F-bomb, you never go back. Oh, can I read a comment? Do you guys have, I to, read a comment. You have to say the disclaimer for the kids watching and all that stuff? Yeah. Here? No. no. What's the comment? Somebody said, uh, Great Bearded Reef says, try dropping a frag with glue down your hairy stomach. Ask me how I know. <laughs> That's fantastic, and I hope you've recovered. <laughs> or an acropora is growing off of your belly. <laughs> hey, you better get... You better just lay with your tank, your belly in the tank all the time now. <laughs> Russell Muldowney, honestly, you three are some of the only consistent YouTube people I take seriously anymore. Wow. Very cool. Thank you. Why, why, Russell? Yeah, why? Yeah. <laughs> I, think I, I think I I have a, I have an idea why, but if Russell is typing, Russell can type for us and tell us. We can all sit here very quietly and watch and wait. Yeah, it would be a great show. So um, Great Bearded Reef's comment uh, has um, given me an idea to ask this particular question. So um, that was a very dumb thing to do, I guess, Paul, right, in terms of uh, fragging uh, glue with your hairy stomach and all that stuff. But you guys, what's the dumbest thing you've ever done in reef keeping? Oh, Jesus. You got an hour? <laughs> what stands I out? Mean, Number I, one. I, the, I documented on our show like uh, six months or more ago, just, I mean, I'm a bit ADHD and, but when I'm at work, I focus as much as I can because that's my livelihood. But just randomly, like six months ago, I just doubled the amount of GFO I was running on a client's tank, a gorgeous reef tank, and just more or less annihilated like half of the tank. And, and it's been on the slow path. Luckily, you know, I, I, I get in close with my clients and he's, you know, he's basically a friend of mine, but he was like, all right, let's, you know, so it's, it's, it's getting there. It's close back, but just randomly doubling GFO. I mean, I've done far stupider stuff than that. It's just, I could write a book. Rich. The, I always ask, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I ask a question like that? So I'll go with the first, uh, it was when I first set up, a modern reef tank in like 99 or something like that. And we were gone for the weekend and I came home and the water level was low. So I went over, it was all in one system and I went to the sink and I filled up a couple of container, you know, about four gallons of water or three gallons of water, just poured it right in. And then everything was not happy the next day because, <laughs> because it's a lot of tap water and a big salinity change. And I woke up the next morning, I kind of sat up like this and went, what did you do? And then I went and looked at the tank. So Oops. That, then the most recent thing is, whatever I did to make uh, this STN start happening, I think it was my fault. Oh. All right, we're gonna... I think I, I, was trying to be, I was trying to be smart and I was adding things to the tank to see if I could get a feeding response. Um, and maybe one of those things was bad. Or maybe it was something else completely. It's impossible to know. Yes, and and uh, in a couple of minutes we're going to dive into that. Uh, Mark Vanderwall, what's oh, okay. happening, Mark? Um, Mark, I um, we saw Mark at yeah, Restock, was, which was it awesome. was great to see Mark. Absolutely, um, my my dumbest thing ever was <clears throat> so 
years ago, near the beginning of my reef keeping uh, career, I went to a local fish store and um, they had a beautiful display tank. It was a mixed reef, but a, like, you know, heavy uh, SPS in there and, and it was gorgeous, you know, beautiful, gorgeous. So, uh, you know, I started talking to the, uh, to the owner and, and, um, you know, I was kind of trying to get a little information in terms of how he runs the system and all that stuff. And I noticed that, um, he was running metal halides and he had taken the lenses off. These were mogul bulbs. I think they might've been 400 waters. I can't remember exactly what bulb they were. So he, you know, he had the lenses off of the, um, the fixtures. So, uh, and he's like, yeah, I do that so I can get more par, you know, more, um, you know, the corals can get more, um, um, you know, light penetration. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a great idea. So I went home and I have, um, I had a fixture that was, uh, had HQI bulbs in it. And for those of you that know, um, middle halide HQI bulbs, there is no UV protection, um, on the bulb itself. The lens is the UV protection. So I removed the, uh, the glass lenses from the uh, fixture to try to increase the amount of light going into my tank. And with a matter of hours, I fried everything. Even fish were, um, were burned. Yeah. Oh, I lost fish. And uh, the, the water turned cloudy. It was just a devastating mistake. And I had no idea what I had done. And um, freaking stupid. Oh, we, call, we call those mind stories, uh, uh, which is also a pre-hypothesis. Or a hypothesis you don't actually check. You go... Oh, that sounds like a good idea. I'll do that. And then an hour later, you go, what did I do? Uh, I'm sorry that happened to you, Keith. That sounds yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, uh, Minshew. I have uh, creatine in one container and cockwasser in another. I almost drank a scoop of cockwasser, put it in my mouth. Ooh. Ooh. Um, Rob, upstate New York. I replaced a heater once, left the old one on the rug, and plugged it in the wrong cord, plugged in the wrong cord, continued to do my water change, and wondered what that burning smell was. <laughs> I, I squirted I, a whole tube of super glue into my teeth. I can admit this now, but um, years ago, I, I cracked a 550-gallon aquarium with a 1,000-watt heater left on in the side overflow. So um, do our Orthodox Reef said Keith wins, but I'm going to say now that Ben wins for that um, cracking a 550-gallon uh, fish tank. Yikes. I, and I do, I do want to say, like, I mean, you would never want to be around that but man the sound of that crack was very deep and very impressive and very scary you should you should use that in your company's advertising not at <laughs> all ben johnson i've already done something really stupid so it probably won't happen to your tank i got more than that <laughs> well don't put him on the side of your truck no <laughs> all entertainment uh, Mark Vanderwall, the dumbest thing I did in terms of a pure regret was killing, I'm going to butcher this name, um, Parapterosis hetera with flatworm exit. Killed too many flatworms at once instead of siphoning a bunch of uh, out before. Yeah. Yeah. You got Yeah, toxins. All right. So, um, Rich, you've, you've alluded to this a couple of times. You've got an issue with the tank behind you. That's, tell, tell us a little bit about the tank for those that don't know about the, uh, the tank behind you. Like how big is it? How old is it? That sort of thing. It's a, this is a 150-gallon display. It's been here for 20 years. Wow. Uh, um, it's got a 180-gallon sump and another 50-gallon sump under the house. There's a 60-gallon frag tank. And, and then in the other side of the house in, in the spare room is a... 
is my lab, which has got four 70-gallon tanks in it. So if my math is right, it's somewhere around 400, uh, 450 gallons total. It's now all put together. Um, yeah, and this tank was doing really uh, It's good. I did a whole lot of work to the system recently. Um, redid all the electrical, redid all the, the, the wiring. Um, uh, I like it a whole lot. Built in uh, the, the, the um, you get to my controller area uh, by a bookcase that's actually a door. Uh, and I'm very excited. <laughs> so like, like secret, I like the secret, secret passage. Secret passage, number two in this house. Um, <laughs> that makes me so happy. It's so stupid how happy having secret rooms. What's in the, the house other? Makes what's me. the other secret room for? If you uh, kind of divulge, that one I can't tell. Uh oh, because we I, I put stuff there. Um, hmm. But I'm sure we'll forget about it one day, and then they'll break down this house <laughs> and find these my old stuff and go, "What the hell is that doing here for?" Bodies. He's the John Wayne Gacy of the reefing. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Uh, the tank is lit by three skies and uh, a variety of uh, strips for different colors that I'm going to start playing with. Although now that I'm having an issue, I may push all that back for a month or two. Um, and the tank has been going gangbusters, uh, indestructible for about three and a half, four years now uh, until uh, last week. <laughs> really it started last week started last week uh like i said i lost a little one big coral overnight which is why i think it was a discreet thing i did the day before um although it could have been several other things right so this is this is such the problem with having a living reef tank because you never do one thing at a time there just isn't time to do one thing and you also never know what it could be so i refilled my lanthanum dosing so that could have had more lanthanum than everything was used to. You're, I might you're, have dosing, just not paid you're, you're dosing lanthanum chloride? Yes, lanthanum chloride into the skimmer, really low dose. I don't think this is what it is, but I have to do the list of what it could have been. Um, so it could have been that. I don't think it is. The salinity was high. It was running on the high side, which always tends to piss stuff off. So I'm sure that was a complicating factor, if not the thing that made it happen. It could be something I don't know anything about. It could have been that when I um, harvested some Kato, I stirred up a bunch of mulm in the sump, but I've, I've done that a million times and it's never been a problem. Um, it could have been that I switched from dosing Acropower daily to once a week. Um, you know, these are all things that kind of happen. Oh, and then I was trying different flavors of bullion to see if I could get the corals to open up and eat, um, which is what I think is what happened uh, that started all this. But 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 who knows? And now, now it's run to a coral, and now it's very sad, and I'm going to have to do a bunch of crap. Have you um, done an ICP test to kind of see if there's any elements that might be out of whack? You know, I was I was thinking about that. Oh, right, it could be it could be my natural salt water that I'm using. There could be something goofy in mm -hmm. there. Um, so I, I, am I have this thing about actionability, about results from testing. Um, they also, you know, the, the tests are two weeks out. I'm not going to get results if I did a biome test or a ICP test. I'm not going to get the results for at least two weeks. So that, 
you know, if nothing was happening, I'd be fine. But it looks yeah, like I'm going to have to take action. To act. So um, I'm going to do that as fast as I can. Um, and so, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I thought about ICP testing. You know, this is the kind of thing where it might be worth doing to check. Um, but there's a lot of very sensitive corals that are not showing any effect. It's clearly just the acros. Um, nothing else is having a problem. Um, so I'm kind of feeling it's not a water quality issue. Um, but I may, I may send one anyway. I, I, I guess it, I don't know what I'm going to do with it when it gets, when I get it back. Right. Um, well, maybe there is some, the maybe there is some sort of contaminant in there that you don't know about. I don't know. Maybe a heavy metal that uh, leached in. You know, the baby corals in the other room are doing just fine. And they're plumbed into that system. They're one polyp each. Yeah, everything's plumbed together. So I'm not, I'm not seeing a systemic issue yet. Um, although it certainly, it certainly could be, um, you know. And I'm doing a constant water change with natural salt water. So I, I don't think I'm worried about any levels dropping. I'm also adding um, a couple of, you know, um, uh, some people want to know. Uh, Julian's iodine and Julian's iron product I'm adding. Two little fishies. And um, Bob Stark ESV's uh, uh, TE plus elements. So I'm going to have a hard time believing that I'm elemental deficient um with the with the brush of inexpensive and easy dosing that i'm doing it could be but you know if i have one you know if i have a icp test in the other room i'll send it off tomorrow because why not um and i may have a microbiome test in the other room which i'll also send off why not um because I already have it. The question is, do I do another one? Do I pay money in we, you know, to find out if there's any efficacy to the testing? You know, so it's I'm a little torn with those because they're kind of in their infancies. So I'm torn with I don't know a better way to say it and then to I don't know what's actionable and I'm waiting for two weeks or a month for the results. Yeah, so, and you're gonna lose stuff. Um you know, I immediately went and changed my DAI. I changed my carbon. I cleaned my skimmer. You know, I I, I did a water change more than I normally do um, by wet skimming. Um, so you know, I don't I don't know. But but if I have those tests in the other room, you've convinced me now. I'll send them off. So uh, Mark Vanderwall, the only solution to Rich's tissue necrosis is tank upgrade. <laughs> Throw in the towel and upgrade that tank is what uh, Mark is saying. Oh, what is that? What is that thing that that tank tear down thing? No, don't even say that. Um, because somebody's already talking about that. The um, because it's we got twenty a, we years got, old. We got we a lot of comments here that they're trying to help uh, Rich out here. I'll, I'll, I'll shut. I'm sorry. I'm not used to live streams, so. <laughs> You shut me up. No, no, you... I shouldn't have shut you up, but you got to talk. I, I, sorry to interrupt. What's up, Ben? I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> no, it's like this running joke with Joe Waiulo. Like, anytime he's talking about something that's tank and everyone's like, did you try it? Down. It's like, yeah, ozone. Joe Waiulo doesn't know how to run his own tank. Yeah, I, I run ozone, too. Did the, uh, Bert um, Minshew, did the arm hair fall into that tank system? Maybe that's the issue. <laughs> 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 totally could be the arm hair. 
not the chicken bullion, the arm. We're there. getting a couple of comments about old tank syndrome. You don't, you don't think it, uh, I mean, who Lit knows? You don't know what it is. You really don't. It could be, it could be anything. And so this is the really, you know, is it old tank syndrome? I don't think I'm in the cycle of the system being old. You know, I, I haven't, I haven't cleaned the sump in eight or 10 years, but I don't do that except every 10 or 12 years. Cause I go, maybe I should clean this. Uh, the tank is getting an eight gallon water change a day. Um, you know, there's not a lot of sand. Uh, I'm having a, I, I'm having a problem getting my, you know, uh, could it be a, could it be a flow issue? Could be a flow issue, but I doubt it. Um, so yeah, it's it, this kind of sleuthing is the most aggravating part of reef keeping. Um, because we can't just point, we have to kitchen seek, we have to use our guts and we have to make a, a guess, which is why I reached out to you and I reached out to Meckley, uh, about some treatments and I, uh, looks like I'm trying to do that because it's spreading quick. Uh, thank you. I, but that's the thing you can't, you, you can't freak out. You can't freak yeah. out and start going, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do this. I've been watching it for a week. You know, laying plans and doing the diligence of is it this or is it that or is it this? Everything I can figure out. Um, and I wish we were at a place in our testing where I could test off, I could send off just an elemental test and be confident in the results uh, at, at, at a tiny resolution that would help me tweak things. Um, and the same thing with uh, the aquabiomics testing. I wish. It was fast enough so I could go, okay, that's there there is clearly a correlation here. I should act. We're kind of doing our detective work as like a forensics lab instead of uh, you know, uh, trying to uh, we're the forensics lab, not the uh ghost not the NCIS. So uh, uh, this that's the worst analogy <laughs> I have ever tried to make. That is so bad. Sorry. Um, let me interrupt you there, Rich, for a second. <laughs> Scott Olfen, thank you so much for that super chat. The comment is rest in peace clean. I'm not sure what that means. Maybe you, it's an inside joke. Yeah. Rip clean. Oh, rip clean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Rich, yeah, you know, um, my, my whole, uh, you know, the issues with, with my tank were kind of, um, they, they yeah. start, they started very slowly. You know, it was like over a few months. I you know one one day I noticed there was a little STN in one acro, and then maybe a couple of weeks later, it was like another acro was STNing, uh, and then maybe like several weeks after that, I had an RTN event. I was like, "Whoa, that's really weird." And and then um, you know, I just kind of like was looking at the tank, and you know how you can look at corals, and you're like, you know what, something is just not right with that coral and this coral, and and um, and then the STN events like started to accelerate. And so I, I also called uh, Chris Meckley and, and we talked about it and he's like, man, I think you got a bacterial issue. You know, I think whatever was the cause of it, I, you know, my theory was maybe it was very extremely low phosphates because I had a couple of zeros popping up on ICP tests. So maybe it was the, the very, very low phosphates that were, um, uh, a cause of it. I also went away on vacation and, before I went on vacation, I dosed a lot more of the um, bacteria that I typically dose on that tank because I wanted to, you know, make up for the time that I was not going to be there with that bacteria dosing. I also um, upped my amino acid feeding before I left, and I and I also doubled down when I came back on both of those things. So 
maybe uh, maybe that was part partly the reason why I was having issues. I don't know. I was just um, kind of guessing. That's all we could do at this point. But um, right. So um, you, go ahead. I just remembered something though that's gonna that that's gonna inform me a little bit. This girl here. I love doing that on shows like this. Um, it's a, some kind of red acro I got from Mark Paletti. Um, it, about four months ago, had a, a bubble in the tissue. You know when acros do that? Mm. The tissue comes away and then there's a bubble underneath yeah. it. And then it spreads a little bit. And then it, then hopefully it does what this one did, which was um, open, go to the margins and stop. Um, that's what it did. So. I'm thinking it's just a, a time, probably, maybe, could be just a time bomb of kind of infectious uh, critter in there that just built up and maybe my salinity gave it a moment to get more excited. Um, the RT, the STN you were experiencing, was it the kind, Keith, where the tissue is just gone or did you see tissue kind of balling up on the margins and kind of floating just, off sometimes? Just gone. Just gone. Just gone. Yeah. Okay. This is the one where it's where where I see it unraveling. So oh. I don't know. Interesting. Um, I don't know. So what what um, what I was going to say is that and and um, you know so I put out a video about this and I think maybe that's the video you saw, Rich, in, in terms of this experimental yep. oxalonic acid treatment. And I think we also need to to have this disclaim, disclaimer about this discussion. This is all very experimental stuff because there is really not a lot of research. Behind it, I mean, I did do a pre and post aquabiomics test, and what the uh, the pre-test did show the presence of a couple of um, pathogenic bacteria, and then the post-test, six uh, eight weeks after the uh, oxalonic acid treatment, showed um, one of them was gone, and the second one was drastically reduced, and uh, the tank completely turned around. But I'm just one case. I know it's um it's worked for Meckley. But I think it's important to emphasize to people here that, you know, hitting the tank up with antibiotics is, uh, that's a big deal, right? Because if you keep hitting up a tank with antibiotics, then um, the tank, the bacteria in there could build up some resistance. The bad bacteria could build up some sort of resistance and you get like the super bacteria. I mean, Rich, you're the scientist and, and all that stuff. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm sure, um, yeah. you know, you could do a lot better job than me describing what I'm trying to describe. I mean, but I, I think you I mean, described I it Great, I down the drain too. I, I couldn't hear that. Not not to mention even you dumping that down the drain as well. Yeah. Right. 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 Well, that, that that's the issue that worries me a little bit more. Um, uh, something like Cipro is an. I talked. We talked with Bingman about this last year um, about antibiotics and their use, and something like Cipro. I'm really hesitant to use in my tank because Cipro is saving human lives now. And the more Cipro we just throw out there, um, coming out of your pee, going into the water, being thrown in the trash, the, the more likely it is that the bugs we want to fight with Cipro don't care about Cipro so much anymore. They get used to it. So that that's my main worry with stuff like that. Um, now, of course, it could be that, you know, people using Cipro are going to dwarf the amount we're using. So it, we're not, we're not significantly adding to the amount of antibiotics in the, at, in, in the environment that's, that's happening without us. 
Then we get a moral ethical issue about that. I feel like if, if there's something better to use that it, people aren't relying on, I'm more happy to use it, which is why I'm so excited about um, the work that uh, is being done on OA um, because it's, it's not used for people. So, uh, and, and Bingman pointed out that there's a whole class of antibiotics that we're not using for people anymore or at all. And he would have been, he was saying he would be really excited to see people using those antibiotics and trying those out. But it makes sense why we don't do it. Somebody has to think, how do I get that antibiotic? Where Cipro, somebody could go, you know, this is so terrible. I didn't finish my prescription, so I'll use it on the tank. <laughs> and it's like, no, that's exactly, there's so many bad things with what you just said, but it's there and available, easier to get. So yeah, oxalic acid. That's why I'm excited. Oxalic acid is a medication to to cure uh, disease in koi. So I think the only yeah. negative uh, side effect is all us reef keepers might be uh, preventing koi keepers from uh, treating their fish. But is is OA non-discriminate? Is it messing with beneficial stuff as well? It looks less discriminate. It le it looks less non-discriminate. It looks like it is not just peeing on everything. Um, but who knows who, I mean, I mean, this is all a huge mind story that we're building together. Um, a lot of coral health issues are just mind stories that we're, we're trying to figure out what we can possibly do in a timely manner, you know, cutting a coral, you know, you're, you're going to get, if you got a coral with SDN, you'll get 50% of the people who say, leave it alone. 50%. 50% as they cut it and throw it away. 50% as they cut it, leave it and glue it. And 50%, so that's already more than 50%, um, 100%, right? There's a, everybody's got their own thing that worked for them once or twice, and it feels like it might work again. So that's what they recommend. But we really, we're really just throwing knuckle bones. You know, I mean, personally, whenever I have an STN uh, episode, I, uh, I always you know, say to myself, all right, maybe you can glue uh, the, the stuff that's starting to peel away or just leave the colony alone. That's a, like the, it's a beautiful colony. I don't want to like yank that colony because it would just upset the whole, you know, look and feel of my tank. But like, it seems like 99% of the time for me, I need to yank that colony and act quickly to frag it up or save a big chunk. And, and during my episode, you know, my recent episode, I did that. I mean, I, I left some colonies in there too long. But um, I was able to save frags from everything except, I think, the one colony that um, RTN. So it's, um, yeah. but, you know, like you said, everybody has a different experience on that. Um, yeah. Well, was, uh, Trevor uh, Hiller, I'm a nurse and we struggle with antibiotic resistance now. It's a problem across the board, but we should at least talk about using antibiotics responsibly. Yeah, uh, we were talking about this in the Discord, and then I'm going to stop and let other people talk more. Um, and, and I, I, I love my analogies, right? So one of the analogies here is like, well, you know, people using Cipro is 100,000 times more in the environment than us using Cipro. Is kind of the same argument as, well, you know, the forest fire is really big, so it's not going to hurt if I just start a little one because we're already dealing with such a problem. And... Uh, I don't, ethically and philosophically, I don't know what the right answer is. It's, I, I, I don't, there's def, there's, I'm compelled all directions. Now, now clearly, if it would be like, hey, they're murdering people out in the streets, so I'm going to run out there and kill people because 
I'm not significantly, they're probably going to get killed anyway. Uh, no one, no one I know is going to say, Hey, yeah, let's do that. So I know I'm pushing a little bit there, but that's my feeling. Trevor is, is, is if you wanted an antibiotic for your daughter who was sick in the hospital and you found out that some jackasses are using it uh, willy-nilly to try to see if they can save coral and that's what's made it ineffective for your daughter, I think you'd be bummed. But we're already pissing the stuff out all the time anyway, so I don't know. Uh, Juno, baby, let me address your comment. Uh, when will Reef Bump stop mentioning oxalinic acid? Laugh out loud. He <laughs> um, needs content. He needs uh, yeah, content. I'm, I'm running out of things to say. Hey, big OA. <laughs> you screwed my tank just for this. Let me say this on this live stream, Rich. Like he brought this up. I didn't bring this up. He he's having an issue with this tank, and um, so we're trying to help out Rich. And and I had my recent experience, but um, yeah, I, you know, listen. I'm, that, that's why I put the disclaimer in my video. That's why I kind of just put the disclaimer out on this live stream that um, this is experimental, and this is not something that. Um, you should do uh, willingly or, or um, willy-nilly in terms of putting this stuff in your tank. It's, it's, a, um, it's a big deal to mess with the microbiome of, the, uh, of a reef tank. And, and it's really kind of like a Hail Mary, right? I mean, Rich, that's what you're, uh, you're, you're pretty much trying to do right now is you, you kind of see what's going on with the, these corals and it's been going on. So, sounds like it's, it's accelerating. Well, yeah, it's funny too because I just fed. Um, and I'm wondering if that helped piss everything off or if there's a feeding response and as the coral goes to feed the tissue's not really on and gets lifted off um yeah all right and then i gotta think do i do i treat everything or do i treat once this one tank do i tr do i turn the return off treating this and not treat everything or do i just treat the whole system Probably treat the whole. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do the whole thing. All right, Ben, you're getting your chops busted on because Rich is uh, is uh, is uh, doing all the talking here. So we're gonna we're gonna let um, Ben do some talking here in a. Uh, what, what do they say? Do they say does Ben get to talk? Um, ben is doing a great job letting Rich talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my question for you, man, is like you know, so you 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 service a lot of tanks and 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 what have you, and I don't know how many. You know, tanks are, um, you know, have SPS in them and stuff, or, you know, maybe it's torch corals that have the brown jelly disease, but how do you handle that sort of thing? You know, I mean, obviously you've got maintenance accounts and you've got people that, that, um, you know, look at a tank and they see shit dying and stuff. That's the second time I've sworn, by the way. Um, then, you know, then, then it's on you, right? So what, um, you don't have a lot of time for experimenting. And, and it's also a little tricky because I will see your tank once a week or every other week. So there's, you know, there can be times where something just shits the bed and all you're seeing is the skeleton. You're not left with any, you know, action. Um, and man, I'm, I'm going to knock on wood, but I, I've been very lucky over the years to really not experience that much which sounds insane but it's the truth and almost every single one of my reefs almost every single one has some form of sps in it um i do all mixed reefs but almost every single one has sps in it you know green bali slimer montiporas style styloforas you know on and on Not, nothing crazy i don't try to keep 500 hundred dollar frags the size of your thumbnail in anyone's tank 
Yeah. You know, um, Rich, do we need to be concerned about, um, you know, bringing in corals that potentially can't, can't have the pathogens? I mean, I've actually started, um, you know, um, dipping Andy who watches the, uh, the show kind of gave me passed along a formula for oxalic acid to use as actually like a coral dip. So before you put, um, corals in the tank, you can, uh, dip those corals to try to prevent those pathogens from coming in the tank. Is, is that a wise practice? Um, you know, uh, interested both, uh, you guys, what you what you have to say about that or, um, do all tanks have coral pathogens and, you know, is there some sort of event that uh, triggers them to kind of uh, overtake the good guy bacteria? Ben? Mine? Rochambeau? Rochambeau. Rochambeau. <laughs> Again. One, two, three. Paper. Damn you. One, one, more. one two, three, go. Paper. Okay, you go first. Paper, paper beats paper, so you go first. <laughs> um, now I don't even know what the question was. <laughs> uh, do you dip uh, incoming oh, corals? Okay. Um, you know, I think for I do a lot of trading within my systems. So what happens is it's only a few new corals here and there, like put into the rotation because I, I, I do about 30 systems. Not all of them are reef, but I mean, all these, most of these reef clients that I've had, I've had some that I've had for 13 years, 10 years, eight years, you know, long-term. And I've created an entire customer reefs out of other customers reefs for years. So there's a lot of in trading within there. That is probably part and parcel of why I've avoided so much disaster. If every time I set up a reef tank, I was bringing in all new corals, be it maricultured or from the wild or anything, I'm going to bump into a lot more crud. But I sort of keep it in house for those reasons. Um, you know, I think I would do a, you know, either I think my thing of choice would be Either Polyp Lab has something made out of potassium salts or um, there's Coral RX or Tulo Fishies, uh, what is it, Revive, the stuff that smells like Mop and Glow, you know, yep. using, you know, using something like that. If I bring in a, 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 a coral that's from outside of my systems, I would give it a quick dip. But do I think that's, you know, going to solve everything? Like, obviously, it doesn't. And sometimes I worry about stressing stuff out more than it needs to be stressed out. Yeah, for this, you know, this could have been introduced by the um, elegance coral I put in there two months ago that threw away because it was shrinking. Um, it could have been from the corals that I spawned uh, in that I got in September because I didn't dip those when they went into the system. So it could have come in with them. Um, but the question was, you know, do dips work? Uh, they probably do something. You know, I, I think, I think like most of the stuff in the hobby, we have to be that we're not, we're not wearing suits of effective armor. We don't have force fields. We, we, we have things that can help. Um, so, you know, dipping new stuff as it comes in, a, a moderate dip that's not going to stress the coral out too much can't do anything but help. I did want to point out just one thing because I'm seeing this a lot now. People, uh, Ellery asked 
um, if these mysterious RT and SDNC are more prevalent, or are we just focusing more on the finer problems? I don't think there. I don't think. I don't think anything except for adding um, nitrate and phosphate to your system um, is really all that new. Uh, I think all of the problems we've been dealing with, we've been dealing with forever, and it just feels like we might have more tools to help diagnose them, or we're on our way to having those tools. But these 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 are the same problems we were having 30 years ago. It's not. There's no magic here. There's no nothing. Nothing. Um, recently has reared its head that we haven't seen before in this realm. Can we as reef keepers help the scientific community? You know, can, um, is, is it, um, is it something mm -hmm. that the scientific community might, um, you know, learn from reef keepers? I think I had one discussion with the, with a guest about this in terms of there's a lot of, um, you know, cool stuff we're doing as hobbyists that maybe scientists have not tried. I don't know what, um, you know, has been done in terms of uh, using antibiotics like Cipro and, and oxalonic acid to, to treat coral disease. But um, what do you guys think about that? Can, uh, can hobbyists um, help inform scientists? It's uneasy bedfellows. Uh, I think we can help, but, but it's like super anecdote. Yeah. You know, we can... You know, if somebody wanted to study, well, this one actually came the other way, kind of. It's it's tough. We we don't do things rigorously enough to be really useful to science. We just don't, and we're probably never going to, uh, because we have totally different goals, and that's fine. Um, but they can definitely influence each other. You know, you know, microfragging. We've been doing microfragging for a billion years in the hobby, right? Uh, Dave Vaughn wrote it up because it wasn't in the literature, and now it's attributed to Dave Vaughn. That's an unfortunate side effect of how things happen, um, because hobbyists were, have been doing it, but now it's credited to somebody. So if you care about the credit, it's a, it's a weird place, um, the, 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 the confluence of hobby and science. Um, but I think hobby and science work together all the time. But I don't think that's your question. I think your question is, how can what we're doing influenced hobbyists and I think I uh, influenced science and I think it's the rare one-off or two-off that allows that to happen be because the to be able to publish something to make it useful you have to be really really rigorous what about um, just what about the uh, aquabiomics you know if um, Eli has a, a database and I know there's you know he's got my data I know uh, I mentioned Andy he, he did the same thing and he saw the same kind of um, you know impact on the pathogenic bacteria if if a company like Aquabiomics kind of builds up this database where they have a lot of pre-post types of tests with this uh, sort of um, antibiotic, you know, could that be useful? Sure. Oh, sure. It's it's the that's the anecdote, uh, and it's a little better than anecdote because there was we, this pathogen was before we treated with this. This pathogen was gone. So that's really good reasons to look in certain directions. You know. The, uh, that's certainly much better than, you know, the eco-aqualizer, you know, made my tank smell better, uh, made, made my corals look better. It's like that's, that's, that's not useful at all. Um, but anything with rigor can be useful. So uh, let's, let's uh, bring in some comments from the viewers. Bert Minshew, I believe 90% of the time STN-RTN is something normal and simple that reefers blame on something complex. Okay. Um, simple is the key. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm just, I'm just saying simple. Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. 
Uh, Scott Olfant, I think the microfauna and microbiological underpinnings of our systems is very complex and never simple. Um, Juno Baby, my LFS uses uh, DETOL. Is that how you pronounce that? D-E-T-T-O-L. I've never heard of that as a coral dip for most things apart from um, uh, GSP and clove polyps, which sounds crazy to me, and I'd be scared to try, but apparently it works for him. Anyone tried that? Um, I've never heard of that. Um, yeah, see, it, this is this is terrifying scientists, except for Scott Oliphant, because it, basically it's like, hey, I heard somebody say we should use this, so let's do it. And then say what? Banana peels. <laughs> Banana peels. And and sadly, that's kind of how we are, right? There, we have to have some of that because. No one is doing the science on this because it's expensive and no one cares enough. It just doesn't matter. Um, I mean, it does, but it doesn't. But um, the key is simplicity, like I was saying. Uh, let's, let's just kind of go to a, a similar topic in terms of ChemiClean, okay? A lot of people use ChemiClean, and, and, and um, you know, Rich, you've um, kind of been making the rounds with the presentation about uh, fighting problematic algae and, and um, you know, so the use of ChemiClean. I think um, I don't I don't want to point out ChemiClean because there's other um, um, products out there to fight cyano. But, you know, I, I think it's pretty well understood that it's an antibiotic, right? That, that, mm -hmm. that it's an antibiotic and and uh, it seems to be pretty common, right? People will see some cyano and um, treat a tank with ChemiClean. And, and so, Ben, I know in, in your instance, again, you might be in, in a circumstance where you have to kind of um, go for a quick fix because it's a uh, it's a tank of customers looking at this ugly thing and you need to kind of fix that um you know quickly um but you know rich your perspective i know is is not to use chemicals right i i i i i chemicals are a last resort the only reason there's the reason i'm considering it for this there's a couple one is if it's going to go bad i think it's it'll run the whole tank right and, and I haven't had that in a long time, and I, I don't want to deal with I, I would like to try to head that off. The other is that other people have been using it and have got good it's, – it's more than just I heard from some guy. And, and the people that have been coming from originally aren't just some guy either or some person, right? And the other thing is I am willing to – I'm very cognizant of the fact that I could kill my entire everything. Um, and that just means I get to put a new tank in. So, you know, that's okay with me. Um, no, I absolutely don't want to put in a new tank, but, um, but, but yes. if this is cause I, I had a problem with the LPS before and the NPS where I was losing dendro heads. It was so depressing when it was happening. It was like 2018, 2017. Um, and there's, they're still recovering now. Right. So it's, so I've gone through what seems to be a pathogenic response before and it's freaking vicious uh, and I'm willing to risk. And that's the most important thing. I'm willing to risk the entire farm on it. Well, um, I haven't done it yet, but I've, but you want to do it and I will probably do it because then we'll know something, Good but uh, I'm not going to sleep well again next week. If that's what's <laughs> happening. <laughs> Um, so, so Ben is, is, um, is ChemiClean something that, uh, every now and then you have to kind of pull out to, 
to treat a, a severe problem? Is that um, is that something that um, you've ended up doing at times? I used to use it in the past, and Lord knows I've used it for the better part part of twenty years. But here, within the last six months, uh, on you know, with watching the back and forth with our Discord and seeing you know Richard advise some people, he was you know, advising people to do three to five day blackouts. I started doing that and it was every bit as effective as I used to use the blue life product. Really? And so I, so that's what I do now. I'll blackout people's tanks. I do three days, but I remove as much as I can firsthand and then do a blackout for three days. And I've just gotten to the point, like, why in the hell would I use antibiotics when I could just black out a tank for three days? It's been extremely. And don't forget, when I'm talking about messing with tanks, I'm a person that messes with multiple tanks every single day. And I've now done this many times in the span of six months, and it's been every bit as effective for me as a chemical. So if... um. I guess my question to you, though, uh, Ben, is if um, if you haven't like figured out what the root cause is of the algae issues when, when you do the blackout. And I, I did a blackout uh, a number of years ago when I had dinos and, um, you know, they they came back, you know, it wasn't like cyano. But um, I guess my question to you is that um, do, you, do you really need to find out what the root cause is of that uh, algae issue before doing the blackout or, or you know, will that come back? I mean, so I, I always want to figure out why something went sideways. I mean, because then, you know, sort of my client doesn't care. But for me, as problem solving, it's, it's not enough if I solve the problem. I want to know why that happened so I can learn and avoid that next time. But, you know, again, these are biochemical processes and it's not it's not like when I leave the client, I quit thinking about it, but it's just, there could be so many reasons. And part of me after doing this for so long, like I don't give a shit why a client's tank had some cyano, what the fuck, kill it and move on. Like it, because I have found over the course of 25 something years of professional aquarium cleaning, there's not, there's not a tiny handful of reasons why cyano shows up. There could be a thousand different reasons why. Yeah, and, and I've been battling it um, <clears throat> for a few months now. And Rich, I, I cornered you at a reef stock in the hallway at one point. That's right, you did. <laughs> and 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 I, I I was like I was uh, I was peppering you with questions, and and uh, I knew you wanted to uh, to get to to get to the showroom floor, but I just kept peppering away in terms of the questions. And you did mention a uh, a five day blackout to me, and and uh, I still haven't done that yet because I'm I'm nervous about the impact on the corals. And and the stress it would, would have on the corals, but um, try a try a three day first, right? What I mean, you know, and and again, like Ben just said, you know, there could be a number of reasons why cyano is is popping up. I mean, my theory is that um, you know I have some carob sea uh, carob sea life rock in the tank that is leaching phosphate, and I and I did go up to the uh, to the carob sea life rock guy and at uh, restock and. He was uh, when I when I God. when I floated that uh, theory, he was very much offended by that. Um, by that, you know, as I call him, his baby ugly, and and uh, so, you know, I, I get it, but um, I don't know. I, you know, I guess my fear is that um, I black out the tank, but I haven't figured out what is causing the uh, the issue that it will eventually come back. So I, I think I think 
I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, in the last few months. The, the, I think the cause of cyano in your tank is that there's some cyano in your tank. Um, actually, I could just stop there. Um, <laughs> and and for, for whatever reason, it got established. And then you watched it for a while, and then it got more established, and now it's harder to get rid of. So it feels like there has to be something wrong to make it grow. My feeling is that cyano is absolutely in all our tanks all the time. Right. I think sometimes it finds a locality that's got local building blocks. I don't want to use the word nutrients. It's got local things cyano need that the cyano can get very easily in that one spot. But I don't and, and 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 diatoms or cyano could burn through that stuff and then no longer be able to survive in that spot. Um, but I think generally it's just that your tank is a war zone. And on the micro level, it's absolutely a war zone. And everything is always fighting for real estate. And it's always in flux. I never thought I would say this, but um, I've been saying that dishes, uh, in, when I was depressed, I realized that the dishes were never done. And in my head, I thought I could finish the dishes. Um, and you can, but you know what? In five minutes, there's more dishes. And I think, I think we have this zeitgeist idea about reef tanks that like, we can set them and they will work. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the biggest lie we tell ourselves. Um, it's not a lie, it's a delusion. Um, they always need work and they always need something. Um, doesn't necessarily mean you have to do something crazy like I'm about to have to do, but you're always looking at stuff and, and kind of shepherding it along, right? Because it took however long for the cyano to become a problem for you. It's probably going to take that long for you to deal with it. Yeah. Because you've got you've to change something in the environment that makes it unhappy. Um, so that that's my that's my babble about causes. I I don't think you can change your nitrate level or your phosphate level and have a meaningful. I, I think there's some outliers that report that they have it. I I have to say that now when I say things like that. But I, I uh, just doesn't happen enough that people lower their nitrate and phosphate and their cyano goes away. We don't. I have not seen enough stories of that success to make me think that it actually it's also it's also important to start dealing with it as soon as you notice yeah. it and don't get to plague proportions. What what about uh, so Bert Minshew is bringing up an interesting point that um, I had in my notes to talk about and uh, commented that's why it's so important to not dose bacteria in an established tank or kill your bacteria with products. You know, so I am currently dosing both of my systems with um, with bacteria. You know, both established systems can can dosing bacteria drive a uh, an allergy problem. You know, my um, understanding in terms of dosing bacteria is that you know those bacteria are um, going to help reduce. They're going to help consume nitrates and phosphates. So, um, you know, in, in essence, that should help you because you're lowering nutrients by dosing bacteria. But, uh, you know, Rich, I know in your, in your talk that that not, is not necessarily going to be a, uh, an answer to your problems in terms of trying to drive nutrients down to solve an algae issue. 
Ben was going to say something. I want to give Ben room. Thank God. <laughs> so the most important I, thing you can do is ignore Ben. Yes. <laughs> no, the you 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 got to for for all this exciting talk, you got to realize that we're pulling on strings that we just don't fully understand. Period. End of sentence. And when you're tweaking with with when you're tweaking with a biome, you're tweaking which th those bacteria mess with nutrients in some way, shape, or form. I just don't feel like we're there. Does it mean don't experiment? No, but it's we're jacking with all sorts of stuff that we don't really know. You know the full. We're pulling on strings that we don't know what they're connected to. And why did this happen? Why did as if anyone has an answer? No one has an answer. Well, yeah, and everyone has the answer that worked for them, and they think that that is shareable out to everybody else. I, I think there's a fundamental nugget in there, Keith, uh, that I that I wanted to get back to, which is that um, that I can't remember it now. God damn, <laughs> I'm sorry. Silence. Let's let uh, Rich remember. No, well, it's it. Go ahead. It's in, it was it was it felt like it was important, which means that maybe it is and maybe it isn't. Uh, 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 oh, it's the the, the reasoning of, of of what we think is happening when we add bacteria to our tank. I I think I think something that needs to be added to people's ideas of what happens when you do that is you're sending soldiers to war. It's not like the bacteria go in and they go sweet. This is all ours now. Let's <laughs> let's. Let's be Mormons and take over the West Coast. It's it's not. Um, sorry, that was really just a, a a Book of Mormon reference, not an actual Mormon just, reference. I, I understood Mormon. that completely. Oh, sorry. Okay, good. It's, so it's it, it. You you drop them in. You you drop your paratroopers of bacteria in, and then they've got to fight for their lives and find real estate and kill whatever's there. So they can live there too. Now, of course, I'm overblowing this because we don't really, you know, maybe some of them get along. But if you want, we call it phase change or state change, right? If you're, if you're, if a coral dominated reef phase changes to a algal dominated reef, you're going to have a much harder time dealing with the algae. If it goes from a coral dominated reef to a bacteria dominated reef, much harder time of dealing with it because. Algae, in those two cases, algae and bacteria are winning. They have won. They have built their cities. And blowing up their cities is hard. Um, so I, I think of it as when you're adding bacteria, you're adding something that might fill a niche that's not there already, or it might fight something and kill something that was doing a really good job before that you don't know about, or it might just lose. Um, so that, that's the little bit of it is, is what you're not painting a wall with bacteria. You're dropping it into a system. It's, you know, I'm going to drop some dogs into the lion tank at the aquarium, the lion tank. <laughs> what do they call it? Exhibit. Um, yeah, the dogs might take over one day, but they're going to have to fight the lions. God, I'm a, such an analogy <laughs> jackass. Yeah, but um, see which we have these bottles of different bacteria and you read the back and you know the what I'm going to say marketing material this bacteria in this bottle will do this I just don't know that we really know that we don't or that it's that simple it's not that simple it's not yeah. so so 
It's not, and we don't. So maybe uh, maybe I should be thinking about a three-day blackout and, and cease and desist on the adding the, the bacteria and see what happens. You know, let me say, that I, even, even ceasing and desisting on you adding a bacteria, which has been affecting your tank in itself, might cause changes that... It, I, I don't think like cease and desisting on adding a bacteria... And what do we got next week? I think these are long-term changes because these bacteria affect your nutrient levels yeah. and Lord knows what else. And you're just not going to get the answers right away. I, I've been saying in the talk that I've been shopping around that I don't like when you add stuff to your tank because you're trying to develop stability. And every time you add more stuff to your tank, you're throwing the paratroopers into the, into the battlefield. And there's going to be stuff that's going to happen. Uh, they may just get killed. Uh, my my gut, which you should not trust, says that that's what's happening. It's I think it's really hard to add enough bacteria into an existing system to change the state of the population of those bacteria. I think doing it over time maybe, but I'm also talking out my butt. We just don't know the yeah. answer. I just want people to be aware that it's not what Ben was saying. It's not simple. It's not easy. And we don't really understand. We're just starting to learn, which makes us super dangerous. Um, we got super dangerous with GFO. We got super dangerous with phosphate when we were able to not only test for phosphate, but we could do something about it. So now we can test for all kinds of uh, bacteria and we can we can definitely do something about it. But we're getting into a, a scary zone where there's there's a lot of there's a lot of noise and not enough signal. It feels well, I like think what, something like aquabiomics it could could be super crazy like five, ten years from now that we're you know affecting strains and putting in this when it becomes actionable. But it it feels like we're talking to Siri like year one and expecting her yeah. to our house. It's just it's not there. It might be there. Yeah, but I think that's there. great. Everyone's acting like we are there. We're not there. Yeah. And we need some kind of scale. So it's great to say, you know, when 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 the A-B stuff comes back with your your balance score and your diversity score, which is what people are talking about a lot now, um, that's just for tanks that they've tested. So when they say they say average, it's important to remember that means the average of tanks that they've tested. And I would, I would only hesitate a little bit to say that I think most of the tanks that they've tested are ones looking for problems. So I, I don't know how typical they are representative-wise. And we also have no idea what the uh, quote-unquote success of the tank is. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know what kind of animals are in it. So, so uh, and, and quantifying all, qualifying all of that is really, really hard. Um, and we're not there yet because we have, <coughs> we have no real way of communicating that information to science. Yes. I was just talking to somebody this morning about, you know, are you good at surveys? So I was thinking maybe we could do a big survey and get some useful information and then massage all that data, but that's a whole lot of work. So sorry, Ben, I cut you off. See, see Keith, this goes back around to where like, Hey, can the hobbyists help out scientists? I feel like scientists listen to stuff like this and just want to <laughs> eat a pistol. They're involved with the, the template poll. 
Yeah, I mean, there's um, there's just so many variables in play, and 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 uh, you know, I think Rich said it before that um, you know, there 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 has to be much more um, rigor, right, in terms of the uh, the data that we're just kind of throwing out there, and and um, you know, people might <clears throat> have certain you know re re results from aquabiomics like myself, and and um, but there there's just you know, every reef tank is uh, is is different, and it's it's very tough to kind of like line things up. Uh, you know, it, it could be different bacteria, pathogenic bacteria that are um, you know being maybe impacted by by an oxalinic acid treatment versus another. I, I don't know. I mean, right? There's just so many things out there that uh, are unknowns, and and um, you know that's why everybody <clears throat> you know should use extreme caution when when doing this sort of stuff because we just don't know a lot about it. Yeah, I'm about, to, if I do this, uh, and it looks like I got a text that the stuff will be here on Saturday, um, it's a Hail Mary. It's a full-on Hail Mary. There is no, I am not happy at all about what might just happen. I am kind of excited, though, because, uh, all right, if I'm in this situation, we might as well see if we can get any useful evidence. It would be very interesting if I just dose this one tank. You know, some of the people who've done stuff like this say it stops the, the RTN in its tracks overnight. So maybe maybe we'll see that. that. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's fully a Hail Mary pass of someone with 40 years of experience um, willing to burn it all down. So yeah, maybe um, maybe you should uh, grab a water sample before you uh, add the OA and just kind of um, do a, a pre and post test with aquabiomics. I know it costs uh, a little bit of money, but you know it could be interesting um, information. Just get reef beef to pay for it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, what, do you, what they they gotta buy you uh buy buy you like a, a beer or something like that. Buy buy you an oxalic acid uh, uh, an aquabiomics test. I'm gonna make Snowman pay for it. Forget it. It shouldn't be come out of mine and Ben's pockets. Um, yeah. Uh, another question for you both: the um, the use of UV sterilizers. Um, you know, Ben, is that something that um, <clears throat> you have installed a lot of your customers' tanks? I mean, over the years, sure, but you know, not not in more than a decade. Um, I'll I'll usually put one if I'm doing a Fowler, a fish only. Um, just because why not? Um, on a reef tank, I, I my I have I think right now in my garage I have eight aqua fifty-seven watt sterilizers just sitting around that I've taken off of systems or whatnot. And if anything, I'll put them in a configuration where I could take them to the client and set it on their sump temporarily, just again as a hail mary. But running a UV sterilizer on a reef tank constantly, not a fan. Um, Rich, let me uh, just thank Rob of State New York. I forgot to thank uh, him for the, uh, for the super chat. Uh, the comment was, I think, back when I was uh, um, dropping the F-bomb. Swearing is fine. Laugh out loud. <laughs> so, sorry, Rob. I forgot to acknowledge that super chat. Uh, Rich, so um, UV sterilizers... <laughs> um and not I'm a fan not a, i'm not a, not a fan i think they take a lot of work and i think most people don't do the work i mean if if if, if you like making sure that those quartz sleeves are clean um great 
Um, for me, I, I, I just, uh, after I broke the first court sleeves trying to clean it and then broke a bulb and then just got frustrated with the whole thing and then took it off and didn't see much of a difference, I don't know. But some people swear by them. I, you know, it's really hard to tell the efficacy of a thing like that. We, we know what it does on a small level. Um, you know, it's really hard to tell what it's doing uh, on a macro level on a, on a full-on system. So I don't know. That's, that's where I think, you know, what does your, your reefing philosophy tell you? What do you know about it? What do you think about it? What do you think it's supposed to do, a UV sterilizer? What do you, how do you think it's supposed to work? How do you think it's going to impact your system? And what are you looking for to um, support all of that in your own head? And then if you want to do it, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I think putting it on because somebody told you, uh, that just benefits whoever sold it to you. You know, um, you know and go ahead, Ben. The thing is, once you've done this for a really long time, I mean, I, I, I've been doing this professionally since the mid-90s, and it's funny. I, I could look at a snapshot of anything I've ever felt at any given time, and you could have caught me at some time saying, oh, you definitely have to put a sterilizer on a tank. And it's just, you know, over the course of... 25 years i i think back at things that i insisted on before and i chuckle now yeah keep it simple yeah you know um i never used to run uv on uh, on my systems but now i run uv 24 7 on on um on both systems and um so the reason why i i'm doing that now is is one is kind of like a preventative measure for dinos in case there is the uh, the free floating variety and i i did have a big outbreak of dinos on my peninsula tank a couple of years ago and the uv definitely um you know um killed them which was great the um i, I guess the other thing uh, that's in the back of my head is that perhaps it could help with some sort of um waterborne uh, um fish, uh, fish pathogens i don't know how effective that is but, um, I mean, you know, I, I do know that it is impacting the microbiome because I do the microbiome test every now and then. And, and there are certain bacteria that come back that, um, you know, we know are being killed by the, uh, by the UV. Um, well, you, you know that the uh, just important um, qualification there, you know that the bacteria is changing and that you're running UV. I don't think you can say that the UV, that we know that the UV is doing it. Unless you've done something more um, more uh, um, robust than I'm thinking of, uh, which you may have done. Because in somebody in your position who's growing coral for a living, uh, uh, um, or for just, never mind, I'm not going to say that. Um, Go ahead, I, man. I, 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 I think... Uh, <laughs> or for loose joints, um, <laughs> I would, you said, uh, I, if I were doing it as a business like that, I would, I, I don't think I would not be, I think I would be running UV because that change, all of a sudden it's, it, it, it matters to your bottom line return. Any problem like this, if it's not a hobby, is a problem. Right. I'm pointing behind me what's going on right. here. And I, since I'm not selling corals, it's a different, thing so yeah you know, i mean what you you know and mechley wanting to do metal highlights and and ph absolutely most hobbyists i think it just doesn't make much of a difference. yeah i mean I, this is i'm sorry no. Keith. this is where it scares me when um 
earlier stage hobbyist conversations, and and it's not like I'm saying you you can no no one's gatekeeping and saying you can't listen to an experiment with this stuff, but these are the things we talk about, and then you get you know people like oh no should I run my pH razor thin should I be worrying about aqua biome should I you know dude you don't even know what alkalinity is why don't you get that down? you know <laughs> yeah that and that's why scientists tend to look at hobbyists like this. Yeah. I, I remember when I, when I first started with cephalopods, I had to work really, really hard uh, for the cephalopod researchers not to think I was an idiot. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, you know, they came at me with the stuff that we all go after new cephalopod people with. And I, and I just answered. I was like, this is what I'm doing. This is why it's more than just me having a laugh with this. And these are all the things I'm trying to do. And this is how I'm trying to document and tell me what I can do better. And they went, oh, okay. You know, and then, you know, eight years later, I had a paper published with them. So uh, it can, it can happen, but it's, it, oh, that's a good point. You, you are the hobbyist who wants the scientist to listen to you. You have to do some work. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it, it's when people come to me about coral spawning and they go, hey, how are you running your lights? And it's like, well, you haven't even read any of the stuff out there on this. You know, that most of the stuff is out there. So if you're going to talk to a scientist about corals, find out what they do, read one of their papers, and make sure you know some stuff that they already know so they know you're not just going, uh, um, should my alkalinity be 16? I don't really know what alkalinity does. There's no conversation there. Yeah. Boom! There's uh, there's a lot we don't know. I mean, these are very advanced conversations that we're having here. You know, I mean, I think it's, um, uh, you know, reef keeping can be very, very complicated. And there's just so much information out there. And um, I think a lot of times people are just kind of grasping at straws and they might just kind of uh, grab onto something that somebody mentioned, like what we mentioned in this conversation and, and might just kind of hone in on that. I mean, I've done that. You know, I've, I've kind of done that. I think... It it uh, sure. it behooves us as hobbyists to um, to do the work, to do our own research, to do um, you know the due diligence before acting on something maybe on a whim. And um, you know, obviously, Rich, you're a uh, you know you've got um, a a very um, you know um, you got the scientific background. You've uh, been doing this for an extremely long time, and and uh, you know, knowing you, you wouldn't just um, you know willy nilly just start doing something that um, you know, you, you didn't fully believe would help turn the, uh, turn it around. I mean, like you said, it's a Hail Mary. I, I also did put chicken bullion in my tank. So, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, we all start to play, but you know, like you said, I, 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 I was, if that's what causes, I'm very surprised. Um, but I did do that, but I had good reasons for doing it when I was doing it. But Question is, uh, have you been peeing in the tank? Not pee. <laughs> <laughs> There's not enough bacteria in pee. Oh, man. Uh, uh, we got the closed mouth laugh out of Heath. <laughs> J. Brian Mines, a lot of information, a lot of brown belts there to hand it out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're all brown belts in a, you know, it's, this is, there's, there, this is hard what we're doing. 
it, it's it's hard and we don't really know what we're doing. We have these nice broad strokes of the science to be able to keep these animals alive, right? But most of it is you're it's like, you know, making a souffle. Making a souffle is hard. Um you hey, can't Rick. just follow a you just can't follow a recipe. So you know, we don't all agree on what to do. We don't agree on best practices and we don't agree on anything. Um, and there's all these different schools of thought. And, and I think all you can do is make yourself as educated about what you think is happening in your tank. If you can answer your own questions about what's happening in your tank, I don't care what the answers are. I just care that you can answer them. And then you do what you think is the right thing to do for your tank. Um, <clears throat> champion lighting and supply. Again, you have a gross disregard for animal safety. This is nothing but anecdote. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, Richard, could, could you explain the brown belt phenomenon for people? Oh, when I, when I was doing martial arts, and we did it for a long time, um, and we started sparring, and sparring can get dangerous, and... The, the thought is that the most dangerous person to spar with is either uh, a, a mid-level brown belt or a new black belt. Uh, a, a new level black belt often feels the need to show what they know. A mid-level brown belt is absolutely trying to show you that they're as good as the black belts are. And they are going to push them ways that are going to hurt you. So you have to be careful when you spar a brown belt. Bar brown belts are the most dangerous people in the dojo. And um, in, in a sense, almost all of us are, are brown belts. We, there's nothing else we can be. <laughs> um, there's a, there's a, some people who have had a, sh a butt ton of experience, right? If you've been around for 20 years doing this and set up more than one tank, I, 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 you know, if we're going to get to belt levels, I would call you a black belt. You know, a four-year-old, a four-year, five-year hobbyist who's pretty good. Um, you know, they they are just starting to know what they don't know. And this used to really piss me off in black belt land. It was like, no, no, I can know what I know as a black belt. You know, this whole idea about yeah, black belt is just like your new white belt. You know, it's really like that. Everything's really like that. You just don't know what you don't know until until you get to a level. Where you can go, oh man, I don't know anything now. But I know all this, but I don't really know it because I know what I don't know about all this. It's 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 tough, and uh, explaining it's really hard too. Apparently, Rob's and that's also sort of done. I was just gonna make a comment. Rob's B reaps. Uh, I'm a brown belt, but it's a sharding thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you're wearing your belt in a really interesting place. Yes, but, but that's also Dunning Kruger. Yeah, yeah. It's harder for us though because there's so much we nobody knows. We're all just hoping. That's why so many things work. My my theory about why um all the different methodologies work is because it doesn't matter. As long as you're doing something regularly and looking at your animals regularly, it's probably going to work. If you're trying to set and forget it when you don't really have a feel for how your tank works, you're going to have problems. If, uh, if you only pay attention to your tank every three months, you might have some problems. So. All right. So um, let's, um, 
let's put a bow around this um, this live stream. What do what do you guys think of the main uh, the big main takeaway in terms of our conversation tonight? What uh, how would you sum it up? I didn't talk enough. <laughs> I I didn't talk enough. <laughs> I I like the thing that we said about um, thinking about what you're trying to accomplish by adding bacteria and what may be actually happening when you're adding that bacteria. I thought that was, I, I don't think I've ever said that out loud before or maybe even thought it before. Um, uh, I thought that was a, I think that's really interesting. Oh, ben has no real answer. Ben, yeah. It's just a jerky. Things just, things just aren't that black and white. Just because a bottle says that this bottle does this or this bottle even contains this, it's just not that simple. Yes, I think um, I think as hobbyists we have to be very, um, you know, um, reserved and and uh, kind of aware of what you know what we're adding to our tanks and and the simplistic approach to reef keeping really does work. And um, I think a lot of us have had success keeping very simple reef tanks. I know, Rich, that's uh, that's one of your mantras, right? Just keep it simple. So yeah, the the foundation the foundation is simple. The whole facade, the facade of my system is stupid complicated, but the, the foundation of it is straight ahead, simple, what you do, what Ben does, it's just kind of straight ahead. Everything else is to make me lazy. Yes, totally agree. Um, Bert Minshew, they got to come back, Keith, only uh, scratch services. I, I agree, guys. I mean, um, we have a lot more to, uh, to talk about, so I would, I would love to have you guys uh, back on. So, uh, uh, folks, um, please... Uh, Catch these guys on the uh, Reef Beef uh, podcast. Buy them a beer and um, tune in. You can find them on uh, on YouTube as well as all the um, podcast um, platforms out there. Right, guys? Yeah, much appreciated. Yeah. Thank you, Keith. And if, if I lose all my SPS, I'm going to place an order with you. <laughs> Well, I kind of, uh, you know, if, if that happens, then I'm going to kind of feel a little responsible. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, I'll take Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, Luis, thank you so much for the uh, for the super chat uh, comments. Ben, next time the bartender offers tequila to Rich and he whines, grab him by the scruff. Great meeting you guys at the Reef, Beef, or, um, uh, Reef Builder Studio. Had fun making drinks for you guys. Got to get Keith to drink some now. Oh, okay, Luis. He was a bartender. Yeah, he was trying. Oh, to, he was. Those drinks were awesome. I did. I think I actually did have uh, a, a drink or two, uh, Luis. It was. It was eventually. I uh, no. I think I had one of the the margaritas, but then there was like some special concoction that um, made me uh, very nervous to try. So, you know what I'm talking about? Have, yeah, that was really fun. Yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. That was yeah. great. Thanks, Luis. All right, guys. Listen, thanks. Thanks for taking the time for uh, for being back on the show. Love to have you back on on again um, in the future. It is always a lot of fun and uh, educational as well. So I also want to thank both Bulk Resupply and Ecotech Marine for sponsoring the uh, live stream. And also want to thank all you folks out there for tuning in, contributing to the chat, asking questions. It was great. Also want to thank Paul, <clears throat> the moderator, who's also the president of the Boston Reefer Society. Please join and support your local reefing clubs. They are so important to this hobby. And uh, I also want to let you all know that all episodes of Rapper and Reef Bum um, are available as podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon. My next Rapper with Reef Bum 
Live stream will be next Thursday, April 6th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with Reef Keeping Legends, Julian Sprung and Charles Delbeek. So that should be another uh, great show, another great conversation. If you want to check out the full upcoming schedule of guests, please visit reefbum.com under the YouTube section. Till next time, be safe and be well. Later. <laughs>